Welcome to Citizens Midweek, a podcast for our church family where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. I'm your host, Jacob Kirby, and this week on the podcast, I'm joined again by our pastor, Tim Olson. We're going to take a look back from the sermon on Easter. Here we go. Um, this past Sunday was Easter, and we got to celebrate our first Easter in person together as a church family. Um, this is kind of what we've been looking forward to for a really long time, was kind of getting to do our, our first big baptism gathering together. So it was a ton of fun. We got to baptize two people from our church family. There was a lot of a lot of singing, a lot of music, a lot of celebration. We had a fun party afterwards with food trucks. Jacob, what did you eat? I, I'm very curious. I've been asking people what they got from the food trucks. I unrelated to this gathering for some reason have really been craving good barbecue for a long time and hmm. we had a barbecue food truck there did it hold up it was pretty good i mean so i'm gonna give a hot take because i lived in north carolina for college for a few years four years to be You're about to make every south carolina person mad aren't you no no the opposite i'm gonna oh, make okay. them really proud there's this really dumb debate in north carolina about the better barbecue it's called eastern or lexington and it's basically um, ketchup-based or vinegar-based barbecue. Mm-hmm. And it's a dumb argument because they're both inferior to South Carolina's mustard-based That's barbecue. That's a true statement. That's a true statement. And I just remember being in college listening to people like... It was like almost like a freshman orientation thing of like, I'm so-and-so and this is the kind of barbecue I like. And I'm like, you guys are all dumb. None of them are better. They're both worse. And this place didn't have... I think they were... I don't know. Like They weren't even ketchup-based. It was just like sugary barbecue sauce. This one's very middle. good. I did like it, but I just really love mustard barbecue. Mm. So the first time I visited my in-laws in, uh, in, Louisville, in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah, in Kentucky. Uh, very first time, my mother-in-law, now mother-in-law, she was my mother-in-law at the time, Lindsay and I were just dating. She made barbecue, like pulled yeah. pork, and she was so nervous because she knew, because her daughters had lived in South Carolina, about this whole mustard-based yeah. thing. So she went to the grocery store, and I kid you not, bought five different types of mustard-based wow. sauce. She had a Heinz. She had all Amazing. this different stuff because she was so like, she wanted to get it right. That's so nice. And though. I was like, this is the sweetest thing ever. Wow. And I think all of them were bad, but I was like, it was the thought. You, you know what I mean? the thought that counts i don't even know like what makes up a mustard-based barbecue like it's obviously not just mustard but i don't even like mustard like that's what's crazy about it is i don't know what you put in it to make it good but it's almost more like a honey mustard but that's not right either it's way less sweet than that but it is better and it's the one thing that south carolina has did does better but the one i got the barbecue sandwich and macaroni and it was great and it it hit the spot that i wanted a lot but hit the spot that i wanted a lot wow that rhymed Mm. that's got to stay in um, what did you have, Tim? I'll turn that around. I had the hot dogs. They were good. They were hot dogs. Um, <laughs> but I did have a bite of Lindsay. Lindsay got the pulled pork on top of the mac and cheese. And that was very, very delicious um, and very good. So I was appreciative of that. But I do know, and I did hear a lot about how bad the jelly beans were in the eggs. Did you try any? <laughs> I had a couple. I reached for some and everyone at my table was like, just don't do it. It's not good. <laughs> don't do it. Step but, back. you know, Walker tried. We forgive him. We didn't make the jelly beans. We that, didn't make the that, is, that is true. What did we get the jelly beans from i don't know amazon but we stayed under budget great job walker 
Um, so quick recap from the sermon this week, we looked at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Um, it's kind of the big um, but God passage in, in Ephesians that people are kind of familiar with if you've read the book before. But basically the idea is that um, we were disobedient and dead and doomed in our sinfulness, um, but God being rich in mercy, he, you know, he sent Christ to die for us to take our place. Um, so we just talked a lot about how um, Jesus, you know, on Easter, Jesus is the, the propitiation for our sins. He's the thing that God did to, to change our trajectory, to give us an, a new hope and a new future. And um, I think for me, the thing that stood out the most or the thing that was just the most impactful was actually one of the very first things you said to him, um, which you kind of opened up with an illustration about your, your HVAC that had to get fixed <laughs> and how you tried to do it yourself and it didn't work out. And then you ended up having to eventually call in some professional help and they got it wrong the first time it was wrong. Um, and ultimately the point was that a mix, misdiagnosed problem always leads to a wrong solution. Um, and that our world kind of has a misdiagnosed problem. Um, that was just really helpful for me thinking about kind of how we even address the world that we live in and think about the communities that we exist in, that everybody has a perception that there is a problem. Like nobody thinks that we are problemless as a society. Um, but ultimately as Christians, if we fail to remember that it's a spiritual problem foundationally underneath kind of the ways that sin works that out in our lives, um, if we misdiagnose the problem, which is sinfulness, then we'll, you know, throw social gospel issues and try and, you know, fix everything on our own. But really what we need for the real problem is we need the gospel. We need the good news of Easter. And that was a really good reminder for me. Um, what about you, Tim? Anything that has hit you kind of in particular as you've been studying this past week? Yeah, man. So I think I was particularly struck by verse six. So Paul says that God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he continues to build on this theme that we've seen all throughout the book of our union with Christ, that in some mysterious way that we try to wrap our minds around, but can't fully understand that we are united to Christ, both in his death, but also in his resurrection. And I think what's beautiful about that is that we participate with Christ in his death as we die to our sin, as we die to our old self, and then we are raised to life with him. And we got two beautiful pictures of that in the baptisms on Sunday, right? Where people go under the water as this symbol of being dead to their sin, of dying with Christ, and then coming back up out of the water as a sign of being raised to new life in Jesus. Paul says it really clearly in Romans 6, 4. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so I've just thinking about man, we don't just experience a future resurrection mm -hmm. with Christ. We also experience a current resurrection with Christ that, uh, and in Ephesians two, that's a, a present tense. We, he has our past tense. He has raised us up with him right. and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That resurrection is not just a future promised, beautiful, glorious reality, but it's also a present that we have already put off the old self that we are putting on the new self. And we're learning to walk in this joint resurrection with Christ and all of the beauty and mystery that, that that's included in. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Even while you were just saying that, I was thinking about how um, sin required death. Even, it, you know, the wages of our sin is death. And just because we're in Jesus doesn't mean that a part of us didn't have to die. To, mm -hmm. You know, so because of our, you know, our, our unity with Christ and the gospel, the baptism is a symbol of the death that we would have had to pay you know, for the wages of our own sin, but instead Christ has paid for it. So we join with Jesus in our baptism symbolically to, to die to our old selves and to have new life in Christ. And yeah, yeah. that's a really cool picture.
All right, man. So what are we uh, what are we diving deep on this week? Yeah, I thought in case we didn't talk about it enough on Sunday, let's go back to verses one through three. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm sure there's good stuff in four through ten, uh, <laughs> but I really want to talk about. Uh, what Christians throughout church history have referred to as the three enemies of the soul. So let's read one through three again, just to kind of frame us back up. So Paul writes, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So here, Paul introduces three main players into our rebellion against God, three enemies of our soul. He says the world, right? He says the course of this world, verse one. He says the prince of the power of the air, aka the devil. And lastly, the passions of our flesh. So in other words, the three enemies of our soul, of our following Jesus is the world, the flesh, and the devil. You see this here in Ephesians 2. You see these pop up in the three things that Jesus is tempted with uh, in Luke chapter 4. You get glimpses of these in Jesus' parable of the sower, where he talks about the different types of seed uh, in Mark chapter 4, and these unproductive soils that do not bear fruit. And so from early church history, these have kind of been latched onto by the church fathers to address the temptations that plague us and want to keep us from following Jesus. So you have uh, Thomas Aquinas, who was a priest in the 1200s, who said, quote, we know that every temptation is either from the world, the flesh, or the devil. Mm. Then you have the Book of Common Prayer, the first time it was printed in the 1500s, which says, "All from all the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil, good Lord, deliver us. So we have these three enemies to our following Jesus. Let's talk about them real quick. So the yeah. first is the world. Right now, when we say the world, we don't necessarily mean the physical stuff all around us, right? So we don't mean the ground. We don't mean the trees, the, the physical stuff <laughs> of creation. What we mean is the prevailing ways of thinking, living or believing that is kind of the trajectory of our yeah. culture, of our society, of people around us. So sometimes we'll refer to this as the world. Sometimes we'll refer to this as culture, yeah. just this kind of force that we feel uh, outside of us, around us in these spaces that we inhabit that are not going towards God, yeah. but rather away from God. And so actually the phrase Paul uses in this passage, when he says the course of this world, he's talking about the age of this world, mm. kind of like, what is the age? What is the, yeah. the sense in which the trajectory that the culture or the world is moving? What is the belief systems? What is the ideology? that really ever since Genesis three was a part of the curse of sin, yeah. right? That ever since Genesis three, the world are these ideologies, these belief systems, these uh, cultural practices aren't in a Godward trajectory. They're right. actually moving away from him. I think it was Kevin DeYoung, who's a, actually a pastor here in Charlotte, who I first heard say, quote, the world is any way that sin is made to seem normal and righteousness is made to seem strange. Oh yeah. And I love that, right? He says, Hey, when, when this was what's off according to God's design is made to feel normal. And when God, design is made to feel strange. And we see that all over the place right. right now, right? With sexual ethics, with financial ethics, with all of these different things where it seems like what the Bible teaches is weird. <laughs> Some people would say even oppressive or right. harmful. And what the world says, which is anti God's design is good. And he says, that's the world. That's when the world and the prevailing ideas around us push against us wanting to follow Jesus. And so what we're invited into is to swim against that kind of cultural current. Yeah. It's kind of the idea 
of like the cultural zeitgeist, the sign of the times, like what are the prevailing normal, you know, ways of thinking, narratives, the ways that people are choosing their lives. What are the base assumptions of our society and realizing as Christians that we are not naturally bent towards righteousness or so our society is not naturally like drifting towards Christ likeness either being on our guard about what's the difference in what the world says is good and fruitful and honorable and what the Bible actually says. Cause there's probably a huge difference in all those things. Yeah. And not to lack, you know, common grace right, and the idea right. of, you know, of God's of grace prevailing, but just the overarching, what's the, what's the current, right? The second enemy uh, is the flesh. So this is uh, the kind of disordered chaos within us. So if the world is out there, what's out around us, mm. pushing us away from God, our flesh is what's uh, in here, in our hearts, in our minds, that's pushing us away from God. I've heard, I've heard one pastor talk about it as disordered loves or disordered mm. desires yeah. that internally what we want is contrary to what God wants. There's other terms the Bible used for it. It talks about our sin nature. Yeah. It talks about um, the wickedness of our heart. Mm-hmm. It talks about um, our old self, our old man, uh, just all these kind of terminology for our heart is wicked apart from Christ and goes against what God wants. Yeah, and I think even sometimes the... the the flesh it seems more basic to me. Like the, the, the world is the workings out as the culture kind of naturally adapts to become normal. What we desire in our flesh, you know? Yeah. So that's the first two, the world, the flesh. And then the third is the devil. The devil is, is set up in scripture as the enemy of God. It's uh, probably not, he's probably not dressed up and all red with horns and a pitchfork. So probably Aww. not the, you know, Will Ferrell uh, <laughs> image that we have. Uh, but think a supernatural personal evil working to, as the Bible says, steal, kill yeah. and destroy to take life, to take flourishing. Uh, and the primary avenue in which the devil works, Jesus says, is not through giving you a stomach ache. It's not through <laughs> making your car break down. It's, it's not through what we tangibly usually think about how the devil works works. Most often, Jesus says the devil is the father of lies, right? That first and foremost, he is the author of deceit, that he's a deceiver. Uh, I think other elsewhere in scripture, it talks about how he's the, he uh, clothes himself or disguises himself as an angel of light, right? He presents himself or presents the world or presents ideas as things as which they're not. We see this all the way back in Genesis two, right? uh, Satan shows up as in the form of a certain serpent to Eve. And his first thing is a lie. His first thing is deception. It's a question. Did God actually say, and then he lies about the character and goodness of God. He says, no, he's not, He's not, you know, wanting your good. He's actually keeping from you. He's holding from you. And so from the very beginning, the devil has been the father of lies. Um, I heard one pastor kind of summarize all three of these ideas in this way. He said, the thing about our three enemies is to think this, that it's deceitful ideas or the devil that play to disordered desires or flesh that are normalized by a sinful society, the world. Deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized by a sinful society. So I want to talk about these because the invitation for us here is kind of twofold in light of this passage, in light of really the, all of Ephesians and the story of scripture. The first is, is to be aware of these enemies, to not be fooled, to not think. Uh, I think some of us are tempted to elevate one over the other, right? So some of us think, hey, anytime I sin, anytime I do bad, anytime there's evil in my life, wrong in my life, that it's only my flesh, yeah. right? We, we just go after what's my idols? What's the thing in my life? How do I change that habits, whatever? And we have no category for outside forces, mm-hmm. whether that be supernatural, like the devil, whether that be cultural forces of the world. Others of us, we make ourselves really innocent, yeah. right? And it's only the forces of the world world or it's only yeah. the devil, right? So you hear this a lot when people are saying, yeah, I didn't want to do that, but you know, the devil made me do it. Right. It's like, well, according to the Bible, actually 
partially, right? Right, <laughs> right? right? It's the devil, but it's also the world and it's also your flesh that it is deceitful ideas, but those deceitful ideas play to our disordered desires, right? If we don't have disordered desires in our hearts, if our hearts are pure and holy and only want God, those deceitful ideas wouldn't hold up, yeah. right? They only hold up because it's what we want yeah. because it's playing to our disordered loves. Our, desi- our desires are impure as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so they're not deceitful if we don't want it, right? right I, I'm not right. tempted by chocolate cake if I don't like chocolate cake, <laughs> right? So but you got to have all three, right? Right? Yeah. So it's not just the devil and it's not just the flesh. It's also the world. We yeah. also have to think, okay, how do we approach everything within our world? How do we approach the cultural current? But how right. do we also approach the mediums by which the cultural current comes to us? Right. Which is why we have to have uh, better and more helpful ways to think about right. culture, to think about uh, entertainment and media, to think about uh, just rhythms and habits and advertisements yeah. and conversations and uh, just even the culture of our workplaces, right. the culture of our neighborhoods. Like Those are telling us something. And we need to take all three into consideration. We need to say, Hey, there's an enemy, a real tangible, personal evil. There's an enemy within ourselves, our own flesh that doesn't always want God. And there's a cultural current that we're moving in. And we need to be aware of all three. Yeah. Even just to have the right lenses over them to kind of know what we're seeing and what we're interacting with. You know, one of the things I kind of say a lot in in different contexts is that we are always being discipled by something or everything is trying to disciple us in Hmm. some way, trying to get us to, to adapt or adopt a certain worldview, a certain understanding a certain ethic so knowing kind of what what are the world's attempts what what are what are sin's attempts to get us to adapt our worldview it's you know appealing to to our desires and to our disordered natures and so knowing that these are the enemies that we're fighting we can kind of see around us in the world differently like oh this is trying to teach me something that's contrary to what the the bible would say is good and right and holy um so that we can fight these enemies yeah and that's even i mean even uh, looks back at what we talked about last week, right? right? This idea of, of the four root idols that it, that's a great way of talking about our flesh, but that's yeah. not our only enemy. Right. We need to be aware. Um, I think one of the big things that, that the Lord's been teaching me over the past couple of years is just an awareness that I don't only live in a carnal physical world, right. that I live in a world that is very much influenced by the spiritual, yeah. that is very much influenced by, you know, the heavenly realms as scripture talks about it, that is very much influenced by, um, wars and principalities and powers and spiritual forces of good and evil. And even just thinking about that is that, you know, we can take that too far. Like I made the joke about the car breaking down and those kind of things. But I think it's, it's helpful for us. Our world is set up to not think about anything except for what, what's right in front of us. Right. right? Uh, Charles Taylor calls it the imminent frame. He says, we are set up with a world that only is what's right in front of us, what we can feel, taste, touch, see, handle. And part of that, it, it nullifies or it numbs us to the fact that there's a God who's right. working, but there's also a devil who is working. Right. Yeah. And we need to be aware of, Hey, not everything is just physical, right? right? There's a spiritual de- component to all of this, um, to where, Hey, if I don't want to read my Bible this morning, mm-hmm. it's not just because I'm tired, right. right? There's also spiritual forces of evil right. working against me. If right. I don't want to share my faith, it's not just because I'm nervous. There are spiritual forces right. of evil working against me. If I don't want to show up to church, it's not just because I'm lazy. Like there are yeah. spiritual forces and it's not all spiritual. But yeah. It's also not all physical. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's the, the onus is, is on 
both us and the world that we've created for ourselves a little bit by our sinfulness. So it's not just these circumstantial out of ourselves things. It's also that we desire them. Like we've been deceived to desire things that we shouldn't desire. So, you know, and I think, you know, in different seasons of my life, I think I really offset the, the focus on my own sinfulness as a part of it. It was really easy to view circumstances or, you know, uh, I, I have these bad habits because I was raised in this way or because this happened to me when I was a kid and it really affected me negatively, which those things are certainly true. But also underneath those things, I desired, you know, I desired control and I desired peace that I can make for myself. And I desired, you know, comfort in the midst of a lot of stress and anxiety. So I contribute to the problem and then the problem comes back on and affects me. It's both internal and external, but ultimately it's a spiritual problem. It's not just, it's not a chess game, you know, with the pieces being played around us. Like this is a spiritual reality. And thankfully in the gospel, we have a spiritual solution. So that's the first, be aware of all three enemies. The second is uh, lean into Jesus, right? So St. John of the cross um, a long, long time ago said all the evils to which the soul is subject proceed from the three enemies, the world, the devil, and the flesh. And then he says, if we can hide ourselves from these, we shall have no combats to fight. And I love uh, that old hymn that talks about um, hiding ourselves in Christ, right? That hiding even behind our union in him, hiding behind him in front of God as, as he is our uh, media. He's the one that stands between, but also hiding behind him in the battle against temptation, right? right? That he is the one who provides a way out, not under our own strength, but under his strength and the power of his spirit. And one of the things I love is, is it adds a whole new layer of beauty to verse four that, you know, but God phrase that we talked about so much on Sunday, that salvation that is offered to us freely as a gift, that all three of these enemies have already been defeated in Christ right? That we in Christ have, have taken off our flesh. We've taken off our old self and we've put on a new self that Christ is going to make all things new, including the world around us, that he's creating a new heavens and a new earth. And then also that the devil is defeated, yeah. right? He's living on borrowed time that, that the victory has been won, right? Yeah. And it's going to be won in the future, um, even in the midst of the struggle now. And so I think going back on, Hey, these are three very real, very serious enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil that we need to take seriously in our battle against sin in our fight for holiness, but ultimately all three are defeated in the right, cross and, right. and the empty tomb and will be defeated ultimately one day when Christ returns to make all things new. Yeah. We, we fight, hopefully yeah. we, we fight knowing the outcome, which, you know, should give us, you know, great comfort and great joy and great assurance that we're not fighting in vain of these things because they've already been promised their defeat. And even just thinking back on the garden in Genesis three, like Jesus was promised to come and defeat the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve from the very first pages of the Bible. And we live in that reality now. Yeah, that's good. Um, anything else you want our church to know? Uh, yeah, I just want to point back. So Lent is over. So if you've been working through the Lent guide, I hope that was helpful for you as you we fasted together as a church from different things, as we studied God's word, as we practiced uh, morning and evening prayer, all of that. Uh, if you're looking for something to do now in terms of your time with the Lord, I would point you to uh, our Ephesians reading and memorization plan. So it's on our site, citizencharlotte.com backslash Ephesians. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, this was put together by one of our members, Brooke Swift, and she just did a great job uh, highlighting in particular here. We're going deep rather than going broad. And so there's verses each week that were preached on that preceding Sunday that we're going to memorize together. And so I just encourage you, one of the ways we fight against the world, the flesh and the devil is through, uh, 
Psalm's invitation to hide God's word in our heart, right? That it's a lamp to our feet, that it's a light to our path, that it shows us uh, what is holy and right before God. So I'll just encourage you, if you're looking for something to do uh, in your time with the Lord, to, to pick up that plan. It's on yeah. our site. Uh, and just start memorizing scripture, right? Hiding God's word in your heart so you can battle and fight against temptation, against sin, uh, and battle for holiness that yeah, the Lord calls us to. Awesome. That's really great. Thanks for making that resource, team. Well, that's all we got for this week. We will see you guys at the gathering on Sunday. See you next time.